Hello and welcome to the Half-Blind Hecklers, episode 44. We have an interesting show today. We're going to cover a few different things and then we're going to have an interview. So the first thing we're going to cover is, quote-unquote, Biden wins. And the media's reaction to that and all that follows along with that. And we're going to talk about some Democrats and some leftist media that are essentially saying that anybody who was a sycophant with Trump will be recorded and you know, put on this list for the gulag. And we'll talk about the Pfizer, which is a drug company, and they have a vaccine which has a potentially a 90% efficacy rate. What does that mean? And then finally, in Canada news... Canada's top public health doctor now recommends three-layer non-medical masks. Amid rising coronavirus cases? Why? <laughs> Anyways. And then, of course, the last thing we're going to cover is we have an interview that I did yesterday with Elijah Thompson of the Dank Pro-Life Memes Facebook group and Twitter page. So, just jumping right in. So, of course, as of Saturday morning, the media announced that Biden had won the presidential election in the United States. So, according to this, which is Politico, becomes the first one-term president in more than 25 years. He is fighting the outcome in court. Yes, he is. So, according to this article, he's won the presidency, toppling Donald Trump after four years of upheaval in the White House. He's the first president since 1992 to fail to win a second term, but the close results in many key states, coupled with a lackluster performance by down-ballot Democrats, will leave the Democratic and Republican parties facing an identity crisis unlike any in recent history. So, it says he triumphed as a normalizing force. He succeeded in dividing the race as a referendum on Trump, whose chaotic government, often by tweet, tested the patience of a weary electorate. Yeah. Uh-huh. Like, they, they're calling this election, they called it on Saturday, for Biden. Now, of course, none of the results have been certified. Uh, Real Clear Politics issued an announcement this morning saying that none of these places should have announced Biden as the winner. And, of course, a lot of these results are fairly contested. Like, a lot of these articles... Like even even the Department of Justice is jumping in. Barr wades into Trump's "quote unquote" false voting claims, allowing prosecutors to investigate. So the nation's attorney general and a Trump ally on Monday wrote a memo, memo authorizing federal prosecutors to pursue any substantial allegations of voting and vote tabulation irregularities. He specified that such reviews can be conducted only if there are clear and apparent credible allegations or irregularities that, if true, could potentially impact the outcome of a federal election or in an individual state. Uh, investigations into more minor claims that, if true, would not affect an outcome of a state, Barr wrote, should be deferred until after the election certification process is completed in mid-December. He cautioned that the authorization should not be taken as an indication that the Justice Department has found any voting irregularities that would impact the outcome of the election. Instead, the authorization had been put into place to ensure all Americans have the full confidence in the results of the election. That's perfectly reasonable for him to do. He should be doing that. 
like authorize investigations into these states, which some of these states are only separated by 8,000 votes, 12,000 votes, 20,000 votes. If there is impropriety, if there is fraud, it could change things. There are some reports that I've heard that 135,000 votes in Georgia won't be counted. Like there's, there's so much going on. I, it, it baffles my mind. It baffles my mind why the Democrats and the Democratic media as a whole are fighting against open and transparent elections. Like, majority of the complaints that Trump had, especially in, in Pennsylvania. In Pennsylvania, his main issue so far, there are others, but the main issue so far is that in Philadelphia, in Pittsburgh, they were not allowed to monitor polling stations. The poll watcher for the Republicans had to watch from across the room. Even left-wing sources have verified this. This is true. They're like, no, that doesn't matter. That wouldn't change anything. Why wouldn't it? Why wouldn't it change anything? If I can watch from the distance of me to the camera and he can watch from across the room on the other side of the house, I can see a lot of things. I can see a little green light. I can see a little red light. There's no way that a person across the room, even with binoculars, would be able to see that. We have to say, yes, the chances are low that Trump might win, given all the inform available information and verified information that we have now. There may be stuff coming out that is more damning. But based on the information that we have right now, we cannot accept the results as they stand. We have to demand more transparency, more accountability, more investigations. CNN wrote this article, and they updated it yesterday morning. So, among Donald Trump supporters, reaction varied from anger and defiance to disappointment and resignation. On what was a sunny Saturday throughout most of the nation, CNN reporters fanned out against traditionally Republican districts and encountered dozens of deeply unhappy Trump supporters. Who wouldn't be unhappy that their, that their candidate has been officially declared a loser? While some grudgingly accepted the emerging reality, plenty were adamant that they did not trust the results, echoing the president's baseless claims of voter fraud. Not baseless. Becoming increasingly more apparent that voter fraud, irregularities, inconsistencies, impropriety happened during this election. And in some cases, it might be enough to swing states. According to this individual, Randy DeVici, it's all fixed. There's so much corruption going on in the vote count. Who spoke to CNN as he wheeled his grocery cart through a crowded parking lot? Of course, and they add, there's been no evidence of any fraud. Again, that's just denying reality. For them to continue with this mantra, there's no evidence of any fraud, there's no evidence of any impropriety, it's just a lie. It's simply false. And stuff, like, whenever they get called out, it'd be like, no, that's a lie. It's like, well, that's, that's, that's explainable. And it's like, no, it's not. It's not explainable. It's not explainable that even after the court mandated twice that poll watchers be allowed to be closer, they still wouldn't let them. 
it's exceptionally questionable that in Detroit, vote there's affidavits where votes were came in through the back of the polling station. There's more affidavits from mail workers saying, yeah, like send it to me, send it to my supervisor, and we will post-date it. We'll post-date it for three days before. So these votes that came in late, or these that show up without a proper signature, yeah, they'll be authorized, they'll count. Like, there's so much going on. There's so much questionable activity. And it should be a completely bipartisan issue that you should not, that you should want investigation into this. Even if you support Biden, if you want truth, if you want openness, and if you want trust in the election process, you should want these investigations to happen. Of course, the Democrats and the media, they don't want these investigations to happen. That in itself is very questionable. But anybody with any sense of moral honesty should want these investigations to happen because they have to realize that there are significant questions from the other side. And if they say, oh, just suck it up, yeah, you're a hypocrite. Considering that last time when Hillary lost, you said for four years that the Russians campaigned and won Trump the election. And we're like, Okay, fine. Investigate it. You know what they discovered? Nothing. Because we wanted, conservatives wanted to say, nope, we don't want this election to be besmirched. We don't want it to be called a false election. But Democrats in the media, they don't want it. They don't care if it's called a false election. They just want to win. And that's despicable. I know, like looking at the data, I know that Trump has a very slim chance of winning some of these challenges. He has a very slim chance of overcoming the odds in Michigan. And in truthfulness, I think that mail-in voting should just be cast off. Be like, nope, you have to apply. You have to say, I, I'm away from state for this reason. It's not just mailed out to everybody. In some sections of the United States, there were more actual registered voters than eligible voters. That is fraud. It guarantees that there is fraud. In massive numbers. I think some said that there were almost one and a half million more votes or registered voters than eligible voters in some of these states. Unacceptable. Unacceptable. Allow the investigations. Allow it to go properly. The more you delay, that means the closer it will get to the, the presidential election being decided by the House. And then nobody will be happy. And then there will be chaos. If we allow these investigations and if we allow the court to do their jobs and say, yes, this vote is legal and that vote is not, and then whatever the count tally after that is, everyone can accept. But if we're unwilling to do that, then this will be tied up into court and Trump will win with the decision of the House. And that is the, that's the scenario which nobody wants. Yeah, Trump will win, but Trump will win at the cost of national disorder. 
the Biden campaign and the, the national media is like, okay, you lost, just get over it. And now we're going to call for unity. And it's not the red states and the blue states, it's the United States. And we're going to call for unity. Except they're not demanding that we have unity the way that we are. It's like, no, you need to concede and then we'll be unified. You need to follow my campaign. You need to follow under my banner and then we'll be unified. No. No, I don't accept your call for unity. I don't accept Democrats' call for unity. I don't accept leftists' call for unity when two weeks ago they were calling us Nazis. I don't accept it. It's fake, it's pathetic, and it's wrong. We don't call you Nazis. We don't call you racists. We don't call you bigots. We're like, you are American. You disagree with us, and that's why we want to have a rational dialogue with you. I'm a Canadian, but I comment on these things because I care. Because my family, a lot of my family is American. And I care about my extended family. I care about our neighbors to the south. Why doesn't the left? Anyways. <sighs> Next story. So after the media declared victory, AOC, the Honorable Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, as Ben Shapiro says, D-Twitch. <laughs> so, New York Representative Alexander Ocasio-Cortez has asked if anyone is keeping a record of Trump's sycophants who were complicit in his administration, predicting that those who would try and cover up the tracks after Donald Trump leaves office. Is anyone ar archiving these Trump sycophants for when they try and downplay or deny their complicity in the future? I foresee decent probability of many deleted tweets, writings, photos in the future. She followed up her comments with another tweet that ridiculed Republicans were portraying themselves as a party of personal responsibility, yet getting upset at the idea of having to acknowledge their role in Donald Trump's administration. LOL at the party of personal responsibility, being upset at the idea of being responsible for their behavior over the last four years. Among those who replied to Ms. Ocasio-Cortez was Michael Simon, a former Obama administration official who cited the Trump Accountability Project. Yes, we are. Mr. Simon wrote every administration staffer, campaign staffer, bundler, lawyer represented them. Everyone. The Trump Accountability Project landing page states the world should never forget those who, when faced with a decision, chose to put their money, their time, and their reputations behind separating children and their families, encouraging racism and anti-Semitism, and negligently causing the unnecessary loss and economic devastation from our country's failed response to the COVID-19 pandemic. Fact trick false. Every single one of those claims. My gosh, the left. Ms. Ocasio-Cortez's comments came as the Democratic nominee Joe Biden appears to set to take the White House from Donald Trump. Like, what is this? Communist Russia? You disagree with our party platform, so we're coming for you. We're going to put you in the gulag. You're going to be forced to watch Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez's crazy eyes. 
you'll go insane. Even prominent CNN anchor, he was slammed for saying supporters of President Trump should worry about how any future employers might see your character defined during adversity. I truly sympathize with those dealing with losing. It's not easy. But at a certain point, one has to think not only about what's best for the nation, peaceful transfer of power, but how any future employers might see your character defined during adversity, he tweeted on Monday. I mean, I don't accept the ride or die to crew to listen to me, but he added, so it says here on your resume, you drove a sex offender to testify at Four Seasons Total Landscaping north of the Taconi Palmyra Bridge. Of course, this set off a storm of pundits and others slamming the CNN anchor, with some pointing to CNN reporting on the Russian collusion narrative during Trump's administration, and one calling the tweet smug and repellent. Harmeet K. Dillon, employee of networks that lied to Americans for years about Russia, told us Michael Avenatti was a solid presidential contender and features Jennifer Rubin in a non-ironic way lectures about character. Yeah. Fourth Watch editor Steve Krukauer. Krakauer? I have no idea. Pointed that what Topper said is true, but he didn't see any behavior. From Stacey Abrams just over the past weekend regarding her own election. Or on Sapper's Sunday show yesterday, still refusing to concede her election. Or those who still maintain that Trump cheated in 2016 over Hillary Clinton. Yeah. Like, none of us is saying... Oh, you should be worried about supporting Clinton. You should be worried about supporting Biden. No. Because this isn't the Truth and Reconciliation Commission, where if you disagree, you are sent off to the road. You're put in chains. That's, of course, what critical race theory wants. If you disagree with the left, if you disagree with socialism, if you disagree that America is a racist, sexist, evil place, then you're sent on little retreats where you're lectured and you're critiqued and you're attacked about your ideas and your opinions. None of these people value freedom of speech. Like, they should just have bolted onto their forehead the First Amendment. Freedom of speech includes freedom of opinion. If you have a different opinion than me, who cares? I still want to have a discussion with you. My neighbor disagrees with me. He put up this little, like, annoying little thing with a bye bye, Donnie. Yeah, it's not over. But who cares? I'm still peaceful with him. Like, I came out and I brushed the snow off my car this afternoon because I left at the same time and I'm like, hey, how's it going? He didn't answer. <laughs> I'm like, I'm still going to be peaceful with you. I'm still going to be nice. I'm still going to be respectful. Because even though we disagree, I want you to be able to have your opinion. Because that way, in the end, when you're confronted with data, hopefully you'll change it. Hopefully you'll see why my line of thinking is better. Why following the truth instead of all these radical ideas, like anybody who tr supports Trump as a Nazi. These are insane ideas. But I'll still let you have them. I still want you to be able to have them. Because I believe that everyone is deserving of having their own voice. I use this platform 
It may not be a big platform yet, but I use it. Because there are so many that want to cover up what the truth is. They don't want to reveal that there's a truth and reconciliation commission. That the media, that the Democrats are coming for those who disagree. They'll come for you, they'll come for your family, they'll come for your job, they'll come for your livelihood. And they'll try and take it all because they disagree with you. Because they didn't like Trump. Newsflash. They didn't like Trump, not because Trump was awful, but because they hate you. They hated Trump because they hate you. They hated What's his name? The Milk Toast. The Mitt Romney. They hated Mitt Romney because they hate you. They hated George W. Bush because they hate you. They hated Stephen Harper here in Canada because they hate me. They hate anyone who espouses a different idea than them because they see it as a threat to their power. And in Canada, unfortunately, they're winning. We're losing freedom of speech. We're losing the freedom to express a difference of opinion all the time. I went into that last week. In Canada, the Prime Minister has openly said that if you disagree, if you you have freedom of speech, but you can't offend people. That basically means you have no freedom of speech because anybody could be offended by anything that you say. Because everyone is a snowflake. Yeah, some things offend me, sure. But I'm not going to stop you having the ability to say it because of that. That's weak, it's cowardly, and it's pathetic. Censorship is the act of tyrants. Alright. I'm starting to get into the more emotional side of things. I want to have a bit of a more emotional connection with my audience. Because it's more real. I can list off the facts until the cows come home. But I want to tell you how I feel. Because it's grounded in the truth. Next story. Pfizer's COVID-19 vaccine has a 90% efficacy rate. What does that mean? Pfizer and German company BioNTech SC on Monday announced that a vaccine candidate for COVID-19, which the world has been battling since early this year. Oh, okay, that was a statement. The company said that BNT162B2 has proved successful in the first interim analysis from the Phase 3 study. Pfizer began Phase 3 of the clinical study on July 27th. Uh, it was a blinded trial, meaning no one except the independent board knows which patients received. Uh, of the over 43,500 participants, 94 displayed symptoms, indicating that the vaccine's efficacy rate is 90%. A total of Almost 39,000 participants have received the second dose as of November 8th. Although the vaccine appears promising, the trial must continue until 164 coronavirus cases have acquired or accrued, and there are still unknowns. So the difference between efficacy and effectiveness, which is an important note. So they say it has an efficacy rate above 90%, has led many to believe that the vaccine is 90% effective, yet there is a difference between the two. Zania Samataki, uh, clarifies the difference in a piece with the conversation. Efficacy is the performance of a treatment under ideal and controlled circumstances, and effectiveness is performance under real-world conditions. What does this mean for the trial? Uh, the 90% efficacy rates that, mo 
means that COVID-19 symptoms were prevented in 90% of participants who received the vaccine, though she predicts that the number will change by the end of the trial. Vaccines with a 50% efficacy rates are expected to be approved for COVID-19. Is the vaccine safe? I'm not going to go into that because I'm sure it is. I'm sure there's very little doubt that it's safe. So, and then of course, the most recent one of a few hours ago, Dr. Anthony Fauci, the COVID-19 director of infectious diseases, says he would take the coronavirus vaccine under upon FDA approval. So he's the latest infectious disease official in the U.S. And Tuesday, he trusts the systems in place to approve a potential coronavirus vaccine. He would take Pfizer's vaccine candidate himself and recommend it to his family. It's given the green light by the FDA. Uh, he said that he told Andrea Mitchell on Tuesday that the coronavirus vaccine candidate's efficacy is impressive. I'm going to look at the data, but I trust Pfizer. I trust the FDA. If they look at this data and say the data is solid, let's go ahead and approve it. The vaccine is given emergency with authorization, and the remainder of the testing goes smoothly. The first doses of the vaccine could be distributed to those deemed high-priority individuals, like healthcare providers, as early as December. I'm not going to go into those saying that this is going to be a... There's safety concerns from the vaccine because it came out during a Trump administration. Like individuals like Andrew Cuomo, governor and death dealer of New York, have stated as such. Andrew Cuomo is a joke. Andrew Cuomo directly was responsible for tens of thousands of death, deaths in, the, in New York City, in New York State. But all of that is to the side. All of that is to the side. So I have some knowledge of biology. I'm a registered massage therapist. I took nursing school. Well, most of it took all the biological courses. And I'm going to tell you some things. There's a reason that the flu vaccine, you can take it and you still get the flu. Because the flu, like the common cold and COVID-19, are coronaviruses. They mutate all the time. Coronavirus has mutated several times since it's come to the United States. I'm not exactly certain how many times, but the fact that it's mutated means that isolating a vaccine for it is irrelevant because you can take it one day, six months later, it's outdated. You got to get booster shots. You're going to continue getting new ones. I can get the flu virus vaccine and I can still get the flu a month later. Because it might be a different strain that the vaccine wasn't built for. The idea that we've been pouring billions and billions and billions of dollars worldwide into this vaccine, especially for a virus that has a survival rate of 99.7% and climbing, it just it makes me question the intelligence of these people. Are you all dumbasses? Are you all morons? Like, honestly. Look for treatments. Look for... Treatments work. Treatments are like 70% effective. In the real world. Not efficacy. Effectiveness. 70% effective in the real world. 
and we're rejecting them for a vaccine which won't be relevant in six months? This is a joke. Not only that, but this news has me terrified. Not because the, the, the virus is super scary, not because I think the vaccine will cause autism or none of that garbage. This news has me terrified because I am afraid of the government. Ten years ago, I covered this video. I covered this video where the Health Canada, which in coordination with Theresa Tam, the current head of the coronavirus program in Canada, said that if there is a pandemic and a vaccine is released, they will monitor who takes the vaccine. And if you don't take the vaccine, you cannot leave and go significant distance outside from your house. You cannot visit people the police according to this video will have the potential and the authority to quarantine you in your house unless you take the vaccine to put you in internment centers until you take a vaccine this is all detailed in their video which i'm going to link in the description that i went over months ago but this is terrifying news I'm terrified that now that this vaccine has this reasonably effectiveness, that unless you're taking the vaccine and a booster shot every six months, the police will check set up check stops. And be like, do you have your do you have your vaccinated card? Have you gotten your shot lately for coronavirus? Have you obeyed your government? We need to take you over to the gulag. See, in the United States, they're threatening it. In Canada, they'll do it. Because Canada's a crap hole in which the government is king, all hail Trudeau. I'm terrified. Terrified of this garbage. I'm not going to take a vaccine. I haven't taken the flu vaccine in years. I'm not going to take this because it's going to have the same effectiveness. Herd immunity, baby. Herd immunity. Treatments. Herd immunity. Barrington Declaration. Focus on that. We'll get through it. This is going to be a part of everyday life. And conservatives have accepted that. And liberals are too cowardly to do anything about it. Although apparently after Biden apparently won, coronavirus is over. Celebrating the streets. Nobody cares. Because this is the wokest virus you've ever heard of. I'm done. I'm, this is so stupid. Like, how can people accept that this is happening? How can people live with themselves? fear of coronavirus is it's insane my wife and I went over and picked up a baby crib because ours is getting old and kind of rickety we picked up a baby crib and even though the guy never even touched me he wore a mask that's fear a mask is political theater and I'm going to go into that now this is Canada News. Welcome to the Gulag, everybody. So Canada's top public health doctor now recommends 
three-layer non-medical masks. It says the science behind masks is accelerated. No, it isn't. Masks are still ineffective because nobody uses them properly, but, you know, you're an idiot. The Public Health Agency of Canada is now recommending Canadians to choose three-layer non-medical masks with a filter layer to prevent the spread of COVID-19 as they prepare to spend more time indoors over the winter. Public health official Dr. Teresa Temp made the recommendation during her bi-weekly pandemic briefing in Ottawa. To improve the level of protection that can be provided by non-medical masks or face covering, we are recommending that you consider a three-layer non-medical mask. They should be made with the fabric as a relative. Adding a filter can help with protection. No! Wearing it properly, maybe. But honestly, nobody should be suggesting, if you actually know anything about masks, which Teresa Tam should, cloth masks are useless pieces of garbage. Because if people were to use them properly, they would have to go through eight a day. At least. You want to know how to properly use a mask? Because I took the course. You enter a building. You put on your mask when you enter the building. You don't wear it outside. You don't wear it in your car. You put, you put hand sanitizer on. You put it on through the loops. You pull it over your nose. You put it over, put it over your chin. You put it over your nose. You walk through the building. You do not touch your mask the entire time you're in the building. You exit the building. You wash. You take it off. Throw it in the garbage. There's a cloth mask. You immediately put it into a little baggie. You wash your hands. How many people have done that since the start of the pandemic? Two. Two people I've seen do that. And if you're not wearing a mask properly, guess what? You're increasing the spread. Because you're being an idiot. Because you just bowed to the political overlords and said, Oh yes, we have to wear these masks. We must protect ourselves. We must protect others. Anybody who actually understands the science, understands the studies, knows that it's garbage. This is an additional recommendation just to add another layer of protection. The science of the mass is really accelerated during this particular pandemic. So we're just learning again as we go. No, they haven't. The science of mass is not accelerated. The studies have been the same. They're still ineffective. And if you wear them improperly, they're negative deleterious effects. And let's let's see. Let's see. Let's see how mandatory masking is held Canada. So coronavirus cases, right now we have 273,000 and 10,000 deaths. Okay, that's not great. Total cases, well, it's going up right now, getting higher. Oh, look at that. The spike has been super significant. Guess what? No, and this is all during times of increased lockdown. Montreal is in code red. Toronto is locked down more than ever. They're talking about locking down Alberta again to level which we were in April. This is this is nonsense. We went over a few weeks ago how since implementing mandatory mass in Edmonton, which is our sister city about three hours to the north, cases tripled since they mandatory made mask mandatory. The masks are useless. And the Canada's top health official saying, oh, like, maybe two layers is not enough. Well, add a third layer. Yeah, that doesn't matter if nobody using them properly. 
You're assuming that the majority of the people are just going to bow down and say, yes, government, I will do that. Because they have this magical belief that the mask will save them. The mask will keep them safe. No, it won't. You know what will keep you safe? Your immune system. And of course, they're ignoring mental health issues. They're ignoring all sorts of issues with overdoses, suicides, skyrocketing. And it's only going to skyrocket more and raise higher if we go into another significant lockdown. Thankfully, my province is kind of fighting against an active lockdown, but I don't think we're going to... Unfortunately, my my premier, Jason Kenney in Alberta, has not been super strong against it. Daily deaths. Yep, back on the rise. Nadoi. But we knew this was coming. We knew that it was going to rise with flu season. Because guess what? This is a spike during flu season. April. March and April. Like, it's a bit late for flu season, but it's still there. And then, oh, wait, guess, October and November, spiking again. Typical flu season. Like, you're, it's just so dumb. It's so dumb. Ugh. None of these things work. None of them. And it pains me to see how many people have just bought hook, line, and sinker. All this idiotic, moronic nonsense. It's barely worse than the flu. Stop being afraid. Get over it. I can't make you. All I can do is say, this is what the truth is. This is what the data shows. And it's all I got. If you don't believe me, that's... If you don't believe the studies that I've presented, you don't believe the... This is why I do this. I do it in this format. So you can see everything I'm reading off of. You can see what source I'm using. I want you to be able to trust what I'm giving you is accurate. Because if you don't believe the truth, what will you believe? And I'm tired of people who believe falsehoods. It's, it's depressing. It's sad. It's awful. It makes me weep internally that people believe lies. That's why I said, yeah, we need to make this channel. Not just to kind of poke fun at politics, to poke fun at modern culture. But we need to be bastions of the truth, to testify to it. Anyways. <sighs> yeah, life right now is, it's pretty hard. It's pretty hard. I don't see it getting better. All we can do is hope, pray, be vigilant, and fight the good fight. All right. <laughs> Last thing that's going to happen is going to be an interview with 
Elijah Thompson of Dank Pro Life Memes. Been trying to do this interview for a while, had some scheduling conflicts, had some issues, but got it done. And I will set that up right now. Hello, and we have a special of the Halfline Techlers today. Today we have Elijah Thompson of the Fetal Position Podcast, and he is also the founder and creator of Dank Pro Life Memes, which many of you might know from Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So, introduce yourself. Well, hello, sir. Thank you for having me on your show. <laughs> yes, as as you said, I am Elijah. I had well, I I like to say that I have a podcast, but I haven't posted a new episode in uh, about a year ago today. Um, yeah. So I still have a podcast, but you know it's very irregular in terms of the mm-hmm. the, um, the posting schedule. But my primary claim to fame, I suppose, is dank pro-life memes which um was something that i started primarily just to kind of promote a more academic understanding of things in the pro-life arena uh so that i could try to get people to listen to my podcast mm-hmm. uh and then it just kind of took on its own separate little <laughs> life and and here we are which yeah. uh let's see as, as of uh let's see let me see if i can open up the page as of today I'm at thirty-five thousand or so. I don't, they changed everything around on Facebook. Oh, there it is. Thirty-six <laughs> seven thirty-six thousand seven hundred twenty-four okay. people on Facebook yeah. and around fourteen thousand on Instagram and about ten thousand on Twitter and like seven on Parlor. Yeah. See, I'm the reverse <laughs> where I have eighteen thousand on Parlor and then like fourteen Whoa. on Facebook. <laughs> we will combine our forces together and be the ultimate pro-life be social media machine. Yeah. Okay, so we're just going to jump in. I presented the questions, so we're just going to mm-hmm. start right away. So, All right, I kind of mentioned about founding pro-life memes. When did you found it? Uh, that was in about uh, early 2017. Um, it was sort of a little bit embarrassing when I first started it. I didn't really <laughs> want to share it very much. I was because, like, for me, so for me, I, I have a degree in biology and a minor in mm-hmm. philosophy. And one of my favorite things to talk about and study is persuasion and marketing and all these other things that like really kind of focus on the more intellectual side of things. Mm-hmm. So like, yeah one of my primary ways that I was communicating the pro-life message before Dank Pro-Life Memes was born was via my blog at thefetalposition.com and then at my podcast. But it was, it never really took off to a point where I was like, you know, proud of, I mean, I had like a couple, maybe 200 or so uh, Mm -hmm. readers slash listeners. I think I had like 60 people on Facebook and they were the people who liked the page. Yeah. Um, But it never really like, took off to a point where I really was like, you know, this is definitely something that I'm getting a lot out of. Like I want mm-hmm. audience feedback because I can only talk into a microphone about so many things until I'm running out of topics. And then if nobody's <laughs> interacting with me, then yeah, then I've, you know, done 30 episodes and then I'm like, well, I guess I'm done. Yeah. Um, and so what I did was I was basically like, I need to find a way to get more people into listening to my podcast or, or reading mm-hmm. my blog or whatever. And so I was like, people like memes. And I understood at least a little bit about how to, you know, I had somewhat of a sense of humor. And so <laughs> I was like, you know what? People, I'll, I'll, maybe I'll, maybe I'll redistribute some memes and like, yeah. you know, with the meme, I will post a blog post with it or something. Cause mm-hmm. I really wanted it to be more academic. 
um, more like thoughtful, more engaging, more like yeah. critical of the other side in an intellectual sense. Mm -hmm. um, and so I did it and within, well, let's see, I think I, I think I created the page in April and then I didn't really do a lot with it for like a month or two, May, June ish. And yeah. then I was like, you know what, I'm, if I'm going to commit to this, if I'm going to actually make this page, I'm going to just post. I'm going to post as many things as I can, as much as I can to see what I can get. And so in 2017, around June is when I started posting like six or seven memes a day because I had <laughs> like the pro-life community didn't really have that many memes no. at the time. And so all of a sudden I'm posting these memes and they were getting a little bit of traction. And I remember listening, I actually went back and I listened to my podcast every once in a while, which sounds a little weird. Cause you know, it's just like to hear myself talk <laughs> now talking back to myself. <laughs> but I remember having a listening to myself say this yeah. and in the podcast. And I was like, I'm at 400 likes, which was like three times Ooh. as many <laughs> as, as with, with the podcast. And so I'm like, yeah. oh, this is amazing. Yeah, like people really like memes. It could definitely it be like a bit 400. euphoric. <laughs> you know, it was nuts because like people were actually paying attention to me all of a sudden, mm. and then it was like 500, 600, and then I hit like 800. I'm like, oh my goodness, like this is insane. <laughs> it was like yeah. three three days after 400, it was like 800, and then I hit. Uh, I think it was in August. I hit a thousand. August mm -hmm. of 2017, I hit a thousand, and then in one week, I hit five thousand. <laughs> so like it yeah. took it took off, and yeah. so at that point I was like, okay, well, I, now I have something here, and so I got to do something good with it, and so it basically that's that's the rest is you know basically mm -hmm. I guess it's history, but it's also like you know I've kind of given up on the attaching blog posts to stuff, yeah. not because I don't think it's useful, but just mm -hmm. because I'm lazy. <laughs> <laughs> well, you and I, I think we're both dads with three kids yes i think I have a yeah. six four and two year old yeah and my life is a little more hectic because i have a four two and one year old oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's fun to say the least <laughs> <laughs> yeah so you started it of course back then was there kind of an inciting incident or was just kind of like i'm just gonna make this like you, you um, did actually, okay. Yeah. Go, go so there was a general flow of like me thinking like, oh, I think I need to make more memes so that people go into my yeah. podcast. But but there was a meme that I enjoyed. It was a pro life meme, and it was you may remember it. It was a long time ago that it first came out, first appeared on the internet. It was astronauts standing on Mars or something, and it said, mm -hmm. um, "Houston, we haven't found any life on Mars, just these fetuses." And I was yeah. like, "Oh, yeah, that's." That that is like I love it. Like that's amazing. Yeah. It's not. It's not like perfect in every way, but I mean, it's it's perfect it's, in the fact that it's addressing directly that yeah. fetuses are not alive. Mm -hmm. and how silly would it be if they said that? Yeah. And so that became my profile picture. The first one that I made it. <laughs> like I yeah. made it the day I saw that. I was like, this is it. This is where I'm at. <laughs> um, and so I went with that, and then uh, started making things that I was like, oh, I can only hope to get to this level of of like wittiness of, you know, I only all I found was these fetuses. Houston and yeah. so I thought that was awesome and that was like that was really like the the meme that inspired Dank Pro like mm -hmm. memes yeah um, but it was it was that a combination of that getting people to the podcast and the fact that there were no there were really no pro-life mm -hmm. memes that yeah. I would be willing to share yeah so that was that's yeah, pretty much what so, it was 
whoever made that meme, if you're up there, no, <laughs> you caused this. <laughs> this, is, this is your fault. This is your fault. You have caused many more. <laughs> the tide keeps coming. <laughs> yes, right. exactly. Is there, kind of back to the series, back to the series, is there a goal yeah. with Dank for Life memes? Uh, yes and no. So okay. yes, the there's always a goal, I think, in my mind, but in, but I always am changing it because I'm fickle or something. I'm not entirely <laughs> sure. All I know is, so like initially, like I was saying before, it was to get people to read my blog and read, yeah. listen to my podcast. Um, then it became a sort of like a separate thing where I just really wanted to get the message out. Then it, a little while after that, it was like, okay, this is actually something that I, because I started making memes about like the violinist and the burning research lab. Yeah example and things like that and there were a lot of pro-lifers out there that really did not know what these mm -hmm. things were and so I was yeah. like, okay this is now it's going to be like a uh, inside baseball kind of thing where i help to train pro-lifers to figure out how to do stuff um or how to understand arguments like there was this one girl mm -hmm. sent me a message like hey dang pro-life means i just found your page this is like when i was at probably like seven or eight thousand followers on yeah. facebook and He's like, I just found your, I just found your page, and it's really awesome. But I don't understand this meme, and it was a meme about, it was a Superman uh, meme, and he had, it was like next to a building, and the bur the bu building was burning down, and it said something like, um, the school of uh, the violinist school that Judith Jarvis Thompson references yeah, in yeah. her. Um, and then he, in super, instead of saving that school, he like puts his glasses back on and walks away. And I was like, <laughs> this is funny. And I, it ended up getting like 12 likes. And it was like, uh, my friend Clinton Wilcox and Nathan Apodaca and like, just yeah. like, you know, Jack Brown <laughs> from the ERI. And it was like the only people that like, I am personally like friends with. Yeah. It was like, yeah, they, they get it because they, they it. have studied these things. But then she's like, I don't understand what this is. And mm -hmm. I'm like, you don't understand what the violinist is? I'm like, and I'm like, it's just assuming that she has been like, maybe she's brand new to the pro-life movement yeah. or something like that. Then she goes, she's like, yeah, that's really interesting. I never heard that before. Um, I'm a junior in college and I've been going to March for Life since I was two. I was like, mm. what? Like, you've yeah. been in the movement this yeah. long and you've and never you heard know. violinist? Yeah. Like so, yeah. That it became a it became a thing where I was like, really kind of, I really wanted to educate people, like pro life mm -hmm. people, and make their make yeah. their arguments better. And then it got to a point where I was doing some like online activism when there was this thing called calling out the clinics, call out fake clinics, and like we mm -hmm. did this thing where a the organization call out fake clinics was like. Um, you know, we're going to, you know, pick on this particular clinic, this particular day, and we're yeah. going to give them only bad reviews on every other, every <laughs> social media website. And yeah. so what I did was I just took what they were doing and I was like, let's do the exact opposite. Yeah. Let's go give them great reviews. And mm -hmm. I think we, for like six or seven of these crisis pregnancy centers, the pro-life centers, they, they're, if they uh they're like yelp score or whatever went up and like their uh <laughs> their google google reviews went up number of stars went up number of followers yeah. on twitter facebook instagram went up so like it was a total like just a, a reversal of exactly what these people were trying to prove because like they just have these cat i think it's because they have these like casual followers that are like yeah abortion is cool but i, like, I don't really care otherwise but they were mm -hmm. like thinking they had all this influence and then i just come in swoop in with like these Boom. you know twenty thousand people <laughs> that were really interested in doing these things yeah and I, it was really cool so yeah. there's like that type of thing um it has inspired um 
other offshoot pages, especially on Instagram. There's a lot mm -hmm. of like my babies on Instagram. Um, yeah. I'm just you know reproducing by budding over there. Uh, it has in, it has given me the opportunity to do a lot of speaking events. Um, I emceed mm -hmm. two events out in uh, in U at UC Berkeley. I went up to Canada for the March for Life in Ottawa two years ago with Laura Claussen. Mm -hmm. I was there. Yeah. Um, I had a couple other opportunities that were just really really cool opportunities that I would not have otherwise had without mm -hmm. this page. So like it's it's partially being able to kind of get me into certain areas and yeah. now it's essentially i'm just maintaining it and kind of seeing where the next thing is because it yeah. doesn't seem to be a a singular goal um with dank pro life memes other than just like seeing where i can be useful mm -hmm. and yeah. and you know helping out the pro-life community in that sense because there's well there's one thing that i really I try to do, but I really can't because it's, well, it's, it's complicated, but, uh, there's people who like want me to share their like baby registry and for like, oh, you know, like, women who have chosen life and things yeah. like that, which is really awesome. I would love to mm -hmm. do that, but it yeah. like, it just, it poops everywhere on all over the page. Like yeah. <laughs> people who follow pages are not the kinds of people that, that are going to be buying anything off the of registry. Yeah. Um, people have their registries reported and one person <laughs> had their registry taken down i think yeah. because it was going through because then it goes viral on my page and mm -hmm. then pro-choice people are like look at these people and then oh and there yeah. was a couple pro-choice people who pretended to be pro-life mm -hmm. people who had just yeah. life and then people in my audience had spent like a couple hundred bucks and it turned out that it was sent over to this person because i didn't verify who they were yeah and it was well, they bought this person like a stroller or something and then it mm -hmm. turned out that they weren't actually pro-life because they i have this like fake pro, pro fake pro-choice account where that i pretend to be and then it turns out i saw yeah. them say hey guess what the pro-life people just bought me and they put, showed a picture of a stroller mm -hmm. and i'm like okay Ooh. i like yep. i this is morally really complicated yeah. um and there's a lot of people doing really awesome work like i know like albany at um uh, she was in her mm -hmm. with her page um, Laura with her page, yep. and a bunch of like the smaller organizations are doing a lot of really awesome work with the whole baby donation, mm. baby, yeah, baby donation, <laughs> yeah. baby, like baby, you know, shopping for baby showers and things like that. So yeah. I, that's just the one thing that I don't think I'm going to be able to do, mm -hmm. but every, pretty much any, anything other than that, I'm like, you know, yeah. I'm game with you know, <laughs> promoting little pages or yeah. going speaking or anything that just to see where, where it kind of like leads me. It's opening up a mm -hmm. lot of opportunities. So that's, yeah, I think sure. where it's at right now. Yeah, I've definitely, whenever, whenever I've had the instance where I'd be like, well, I'm, I'm considering this and I'm like, talk to Laura. <laughs> she does that yeah, right. all the time. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So for sure. I'm like, don't talk to me. I don't know anything about that. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> all right. So next question. How do you yeah. feel about the state of the pro-life movements at present? Well, it depends on my mood on the day <laughs> and depends on the hour of the day because yep. there's we go through these waves yep. where like you know sometimes it seems really strong and other times it's just all only nothing but infighting so mm -hmm. recently i think it's been pretty decent like in terms yeah. of i think we have a relatively unified goal and that's actually including all of the conflict about the presidential election and things yep. like that so um or maybe i'm just getting used to the conflict but i mean honestly <laughs> As, a, as sort of like a side note, mm -hmm. I think internal 
debates is good because the yes. moment you kind of like shut it down and try to pretend mm-hmm. there's more unity than there actually is, yeah. you get to be, uh, it gets to be like a pretend, like a fake unity. Yeah. And that I don't think will have long-term good effects. No. But I think in general, the, the pro-life community, I, 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 I like it. Mm-hmm. Um, I see a lot of potential especially with given how many people are actually like, you know, doing more online about mm-hmm. this kind of, this kind of stuff. Now yeah. um, I see a lot of people like kind of, uh, I don't know, what do you call it? Like fracturing off or something like you have like the abolitionist side mm-hmm. and you have like yeah. the consistent life ethic group. Yeah. So like you have like the leftist pro-lifers who call themselves consistent life ethics. Then like the, the yeah. uh, specifically the Protestant Christian mm-hmm. variety of pro-lifers. Yeah. Not all of them are are this, but the abolitionists. They like to kind of yep. section themselves off as kind not of tout, being a part of the yeah, tout community. Themselves kind of above us sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I mean, there's there's some there's something there's some to be said. Discussions that can be yeah. had there. Because mm-hmm. um, I actually debated a little bit, calling like changing my name to uh, something having to do with anti-abortion memes. But I was actually yeah. talking to Monica at Secular Pro Life, and she's like, "Think about your audience. Like, yeah. you do not. Your audience is not the kind of the people that you, like the audience that you want is not the people that are going to be mm-hmm. you know nitpicking about the term pro life or anti-abortion. The audience that you're looking for is like the average person who just wants to laugh yeah. on the internet mm-hmm. and then might be inspired to do something more. And I was yeah. like, good point. All right, I like it. Pro life <laughs> still means being anti-abortion, yeah, uh, despite what what a lot of people seem to not want it to mean. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, to answer your question, I, I am I am. Uh, I don't want to say cautiously optimistic, but sometimes okay. cynically optimistic about <laughs> the pro-life community. Yeah. I When I was having my first interview that we ever did on this channel, I interviewed uh, one of the members of the Pro-Life Guys podcast. And maybe, okay, I'll, yeah, yeah. maybe I'll talk to them and be like, you should interview Elijah. <laughs> be part of your podcast. Because <laughs> that, was a, fun, yeah, that was a fun discussion. And we kind of had this interesting uh, talk about how it's there's a different of course there's a massively different state of the pro-life movement between the united states and canada because in the united mm-hmm. states there's like yes there is some infighting about how things are going to get done and then in canada it's just like throw us a bone anything please yeah give us anything <laughs> in canada there's no laws at all right yeah it's just nothing. like whatever yeah, yeah. Like one of the biggest pro-life organizations in Canada is we need a law. <laughs> right. We need a law. Like we need and, a- and I would I was talking to Laura about this and I was like, I guess I just don't really understand. Like why would they not want anything? Like at least pass some pro-choice legislation, you know what yeah. I mean? Like I don't know. Like mm-hmm. it just seems like they'd want something. Yeah, like and the interesting thing is like when you actually look at the surveys for Canada. There are many, many people in Canada that don't actually know that we don't have abortion laws. They're like, oh, it's banned after 20 weeks. It's like the States. And I'm like, no, it's not. There's no law in the books that says that. And it's like, it's like, do you oppose gender selective abortion? And they're like, of course I do. But that's banned too. And I'm like, no, it's not. We're literally no, fighting not. in the parliament to see if this passes. And the liberals are against us. They don't want it to pass. And they're like, oh my Man. gosh, really? And I'm like, yes. <laughs> Tell your MPs, please vote against, vote for this. <laughs> right, right. So, but the, I would imagine of, there's a lot of like apathy. Like, I mean, there's a lot of oh, apathy yeah. here in the state. There's state's a lot. Too, but I mean, yeah, yeah. Well, any any time that you bring up abortion in Canada, it's 
instantly, oh, you want, like, it's no law to back alley. There's no transition. Right. It's like, nope. Yep. We can't have any sort of sensible legislation. Like, even small restrictions? Nope. Nothing. If we just small want restrictions, women, to die. <laughs> women are dying. And I'm like, oh boy. Yep. <laughs> Yep. So, we just want people to die. That's how yeah, that's that's the people that's the to response. die. Yes, I, yeah. I desperately want people to die. You're mm -hmm. right. Yeah. So kind of transitioning to the next question. Of course, we can both agree that the end goal is the ending of abortion. However, we likely agree on how to get there or we might. Um, would you mind describing how you see abortion ending in America? <laughs> this is why I think when I said that I am cynically optimistic, because I am I'm optimistic <laughs> about the state of the, the pro-life community, mm -hmm. but yeah. I am not optimistic in terms of the pro-life like political wins. Mm -hmm. um, okay. We have, I think we've seen a lot of pro-life, allegedly pro-life um, politicians mm -hmm. kind of try to use the pro-life movement yeah. um, here in America to mm -hmm. like to get votes. But yes. ultimately, they, they don't do anything close to what they say they're going to do or what they could do or yeah. what they have the power to do. Mm -hmm. Like even in the first two years of Trump's administration, or was it the second? There, was, there were two years in Trump's administration where there was the Republicans had control over everything. Mm -hmm. yeah. And it seems like all they wanted to do was just maintain the status quo. Like yeah. they, they were like, yeah, we're pro-life. But um, hey, you know how you know we're pro-life? Because Trump showed up to the March for Life. But other, just yeah. don't pay attention to any of the other things. Mm -hmm. Like I'm not saying that they, that they did nothing because there yeah. were some small victories here and there. Mm -hmm. But yeah. the, I, I just don't, I don't see Mm -hmm. I don't see a, a a a win for the for abortion ending in America coming through okay. purely political grounds. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, as much as I would love to say that of the course. bare minimum role of government is to mm -hmm. protect the right to life of yeah. the, the most vulnerable people in the entire country, but if they're not doing that, then why mm -hmm. do they even exist? You know what I mean? So, yeah. but yeah, I, I don't see that. that happening. It's just mm -hmm. it's, I don't know. Yeah, I'm cynically, like, cynically pessimistic here, I guess. <laughs> like it was kind of funny because right before um, ACB got nominated and confirmed, I had that first interview with the with the pro life guys, and we're like, okay, like does this change anything? And we're both like, not really, no, not really. They can't no. have, they don't have the votes, and it's like, okay, well, that's that's kind of the problem <laughs> with the Supreme Court is like, okay, right. well, do we have? It's like. Yes, we have conservative nominated judges. Will they actually pass? Like, will they actually try and do this? No, no, they won't. <laughs> it's like right. <laughs> and then it was kind of funny because, like, I I listened to a lot of conservative pundits like Michael Knowles and stuff like that. And Michael Knowles mm -hmm. is like, it is time for Republicans to stop growing up to start growing a pair and saying, "Will you overturn Roe v. Wade? And if you won't, then you're out. You're no longer a nomination." Right. Like there was a, uh, say, a nope, if you're not, if you're just, yeah. 
Go ahead. There's a, a Babylon B article that the the snippet that I, I shared on Dank Pro Life memes. This was let's see, no, on November first, and there's a, a bit of a longish quote, but it go, it gets kind of into what I one of the cynical reasons that I have to like not hope for a political thing. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, the article says, at long last, we have a solid majority of justices who were chosen by Republican presidents, yeah. so that we can overturn this awful decision made by a majority of justices who were chosen by Republican presidents. Yep. Yeah, getting, it it says, like, getting a conservative majority no. is our only hope to reverse this unconstitutional decision made by a conservative majority. So, yep. like, I, the poli- <laughs> I don't think a political win is going to happen. As, yeah. as much as I will still advocate I, for a political mm-hmm. win, yeah. I want it to happen. Mm-hmm. I just I'm, I've lost hope in yeah. that it'll happen. Um, yeah, the but my hope has tends to maintained. Set in. <laughs> Sorry, what'd you say? The cynicism tends to set in. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Um, and the, yeah, the, the, the hope that I do have is for the pro-life community because I see it growing in a lot of different areas. I see the pro-life left growing, which as a libertarian myself, it kind of mm-hmm. makes me cringe that the left is growing at all. But I, you know what, yeah. hey, as if, <laughs> if the left can grow and then also we can save some babies, like yeah. I'm, I'm cool with you guys doing that. Then we get yeah. once, once what I want is I want abortion to become as unthinkable as mm-hmm. like slavery yeah, so exactly. that everybody agrees on it and then and then we can talk about and like whether like, or not government should control the economy yeah but yeah, <laughs> then we can that, I, like, think that, I think that's where i'm at yeah like a long time ago i was like okay i'm gonna have a segment to be like if you are a single issue voter it should be this it should right. be this <laughs> because everything yeah, else like I, it might cost lives but this will cost lives <laughs> right, and it, I, I, I totally get that. I, I'm not, uh, yeah. Well, so yeah, I get yeah. <laughs> the single issue. Not voting, entirely. Yeah. In- right, I, I get, I get the. the I think yeah, who, I, who is that? Who's I talking to? Uh, I think. Oh, I was talking to Monica again at Secular yeah. Pro Life, and she is. She was saying that she's not a single issue voter, but she will vote for the pro life candidate. Mm-hmm. Um, if she actually, I don't know if she said she's a single issue voter, but either way, she said she's planning. She wants to vote for a pro life candidate. She thinks that people should vote for the pro life candidate because the pro choice candidate would be worse, even if mm-hmm. Trump does nothing and the main yeah. the status quo is maintained. It could get worse because um, because they uh, the Democrats are so much worse on it. <laughs> um, so I actually don't know how she voted. I mean, I'm yeah. assuming uh, she didn't. She didn't tell me how she voted, but yeah. um, that was. Her, her perspective is that she's essentially voting for what she thinks it might be the status quo. Like if, yeah. if it's just staying the same, at least it's not getting worse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, I there is something to be said for, for kind of a flat line when the alternative is just a deep dive into hell. <laughs> right. Which is, which is why the, uh, the efficient, the inefficiency of government is all, is always oh. a, a comfort when the, mm-hmm. the efficiency that's of true. government means what sent into hell. Yep. Yep. Yeah. That's sometimes the unfortunate part about Canadian parliament is our government is sometimes very efficient. <laughs> it's like, no, uh, I don't want you to be very efficient when you're doing these bad things. <laughs> yeah. That's one thing that with the founders of America were like, we're going to make this really difficult to be efficient. And I was like, yeah. yes, that's... perfect <laughs> way to go. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So yeah, we kind of covered over what was going to be the last question was UC Roe ever being overturned, which I think we're both kind of like, we have it in the slim corner of our mind. We hope it will be, but neither of us truly believe it. <laughs> 
Yeah, especially if something like, you know, Biden packing the courts oh, happens yeah. or or something like that. And I, I and honestly, based on their their um I think Gorsuch, he said like he was asked straight up, like, do you, would you ever vote to overturn Roe v. And Wade? Like, and he no. said, No, Roe v. Wade is the law of the land. Yeah. So like it, it's one of those situations where uh -huh. am I glad that the status quo exists? No. But do no. I want it to get worse? Well, no, I definitely no. don't want it to get yeah. worse. And Biden said that he wanted to codify mm -hmm. Roe v. Wade into it's law, which yeah. seems awful. Mm -hmm. That's terrible. Yeah. Um, but I mean, from a, from a New York or not a New York, a, a, a an America politics perspective, mm -hmm. I'm yeah. under the impression that um, that Roe v. Wade was not only uh, illegitimate like of in course. terms of yeah the, the state the 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 federal government sure the supreme court shouldn't have decided that because mm -hmm. it's not their jurisdiction because yeah. murder is something mm -hmm. that is decided and punished by the states so like this should have been a state's Definitely. issue anyway yeah but not only that but like the, the roe v wade decision itself was based on really old science like yeah. really old as in like 1800s old yeah and like it was 1973, but they were using mm -hmm. like stuff from like mid 1800s about, oh, we don't really know when life began. Like, are you kidding me? Yeah. So it, it was it was bad legislation to begin with, <laughs> but not only that, but it was federal, technically federal overreach. Yeah. So like it is. Yeah. Sure. Well, yeah. <laughs> so no, I, I don't. I see it potentially being overturned, only if. Um, we get to a point where like the mm -hmm. entire country yeah. is pretty much agrees on abortion, yeah. but that, that's, that's yeah, far that's, off. That's far off. Yeah. That's far off. Yeah. Like, or sure. like, okay, let's work on hearts and minds first and making sure that we actually like the people we're talking to make sure they actually know the data instead of just, no, they're not a human. it's like, what are you talking about? Right. right. <laughs> <laughs> I had the conversation right. a few weeks back. And it's like, it's not a human. And I'm like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> and they're like, well, like it's not a human until you feel it kick. And I'm like, what kind of science is this? The quickening that we <laughs> talked about. In exactly. And I'm like, it yeah. doesn't work. I'm like, okay, I'm just going to give you a whole bunch of biological texts and hopefully that sets in. Yeah, Which it right. did. Which it did. And I was like, sweet. Great. All wow, right. it actually did progress. It, Amazing. it did. Well, she didn't tell me she was 100% convinced. She said she was 96 to 97% convinced. So I was like, I don't wow. know what that is, but sure, I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> take any small, small victory. victory. Small victory. All right, so the last thing yeah. we're going to cover is because you work on memes and our channel is a bunch of hecklers and we laugh at things. So we're going to try and work together on a few memes. We kind of right, so had a bit of a template that we worked on. So I'm going to show you the images of the ones that we worked on prior to recording this episode. And then we might try and collaborate in another. We'll see. So the ones we went through prior to making this episode. So the first one uh, we went through is one that, or last one. Okay, the one that I'm showing on the screen is Confederate pride is a crutch for people who won't admit that they're racist. <laughs> Which is, it's like, okay, sure, yeah, I get that. <laughs> it's not related to pro-life memes, but it is funny. Right, right. <laughs> and and it's a reasonable template. It's just yeah, a it's, sign. Yeah, and it's just a sign. And then the second one is also one that Elijah made, which is anti-choice is not the insult that you want it to be. Which is mm -hmm. true. 
And then the final one that I made is, of course, now that the Mandalorian is resurging and we're going back to old meme templates, is, of course, the... I got to get one of those, which is, of course, a basic understanding of biology for pro abortees. <laughs> I, like, I like that one a lot. That one's funny because, like, yeah. you know, I like the Mandalorian in there because oh, it's yeah. on now. It's, mm -hmm. it's a good show. No, there's going to be a whole bunch I of also, new templates. <laughs> yes, for sure. Mm -hmm. Although you got to stay away from Baby Yoda because Baby oh, yeah. Yoda's a normie thing now. You yeah. can't do that. Yeah. I actually, like, when when they first started calling it Baby Yoda, and I'm like, come on, that's not Baby Yoda. They're like, what do you mean? And I'm like, it is a baby of Yoda's species. Yoda's species does not have a con canon name yet. <laughs> and they're like, okay, nerd. And I'm like, you shut up. Okay. You're just ashamed by my knowledge of Star Wars. <laughs> okay. So, uh, yeah, I don't think... I don't think we had any real templates or ideas, but kind of when you're when you're working through a meme, yeah, like how how does that kind of work through your mind? So sometimes I'm inspired, and sometimes mm -hmm. in a, I'm in a particularly witty mood. Um, but mm -hmm. I also recognize that there's occasions where other people are in witty moods, and so what I will do a lot of times is I'll actually just go to Twitter, or I will go to like I'll see something that is currently like going viral or at least being like shared by yeah. a handful of people, and I think it's witty. And so what I'll do is I'll just take what they said, mm -hmm. and I'll just pretty much turn it right into a meme. Mm -hmm. um, there are other situations where what I'll do is I will take something that's going viral for like on the pro-choice side yeah. and then I will just modify it. Like, so for example, there was one that said it had a picture of a woman with like rainbow eyeshadow. Yeah. I think you probably saw this. Yeah, I think so. And it said something like if the, if the fetus you were saving was, was queer, was, oh, yeah. would you still fight for its rights? Or something like that, and like everybody in the pro-life community is like, yeah, yeah, like fighting, <laughs> fighting for its rights is a is a loaded statement in terms mm -hmm. of like you know fighting for its rights for other things that have nothing to do with the right to life, um, but like yes, we don't want queer child queer fetuses if that is even <laughs> a, a reasonable. Let's just assume that that's it's, reasonable. Yeah. Assume um, that it's within we the realm are not <laughs> right. Yeah, right. So we're assuming that that's reasonable, and we're just going to say, yeah, I mean, we don't want anybody to be killed. Like, that's the whole point. We don't want innocent people yeah. to be to be destroyed in the womb. Like, that's why we exist. And so what I did was I just changed the uh, the meme around. I said, if she wants to abort, the abort because the fetus is queer, would you still defend her right to choose? And yeah. that one got some pretty decent traction. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And so there's, like, a lot of times I'll just like take almost exactly what somebody said and just turn it into a meme, but like it'll it'll depend on what's currently going yeah. like in the culture. Mm -hmm. Like I think uh, Laura Claussen actually had a tweet that said uh, not killing the baby is always the right choice. And then I just posted it on um, on a, a phone being held up by uh, somebody from <laughs> the boy the boys, the show the boys. Yeah, and so that that was pretty good. Um, people enjoyed that one. Of yeah. course, um, Amy, Amy Coney Barrett holding up a list oh, of yeah. coherent pro-choice arguments <laughs> was just a blank, <laughs> a blank thing. That was such so a that great was, picture. That was fun. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, and, and the fly on, on – Oh, yeah, uh, the fly on Pence's head. Yeah. 
I saw somebody draw something like a, uh, a sign, a fly holding up a sign, and I just, you know, erased the words, and I said, abortion kills tiny humans. So, like, it's, it, um, it's really just kind of like a situation where mm. I'm just kind of paying attention, paying, like, you know, side attention to what the general cultural yeah. trends are. And then I just kind of turn them into into memes because people tend to share more things that are culturally relevant and yes. while also agreeing with their political ideology. So like that, mm -hmm. I kind of like jump on all those things. Yeah. But then there's like the um, the more more um, what do you call it evergreen type of memes where mm -hmm. like something becomes like codified into culture, mm -hmm. and so uh, there's the What's the show called? Bra uh, Breaking Bad. Oh, and yeah. there's a guy, uh, the main character says, I am the one who knocks. But <laughs> at one point I changed, I changed it to, I am the one who adopts. And then I just, you know, <laughs> if you really cared about children after they were born, you would adopt. And then I just say, pro-life, I, I am the one, one who adopts. <laughs> yes, that's great. <laughs> yeah, so actually it's interesting because there's a lot of people that are like, they'll like message me and they're like, hey, what do you use to make your memes? I'm like, I literally just take screenshots and then mm -hmm. use Instagram. Instagram story, uh, yeah. like the ability that they have to like match color, and then I okay. just scribble it out, and then I write text on it, and then I'll or if I need like a that that's what I do with like a label meme or something. Yeah. Or with like the ones I I'm like okay I see a, a meme that has a bunch of labels on it, but I need a blank version of it. I'll just do a reverse image search, like on on Google or whatever, and I'll just mm -hmm. find it and then yeah. save it that way. Um, and then the <laughs> the ones that are like, you know of response meme where you know i am the one who adopts um i just what i did for that one is i just took a i, I took that and then i put it in twitter and then i just captioned it on twitter and then i just took a screenshot and shared it everywhere so like all these people think that like making these memes is so complicated but like i'm sitting there like mm -hmm. pooping at work and making these memes <laughs> <laughs> i mean i'm definitely not pooping at work and making these memes if my boss is listening definitely clearly <laughs> during my lunch break for sure yeah there's a reason that there's no video hmm. <laughs> i am currently pooping <laughs> longest no. poop ever no the, the reason that it's just an image is because it's in a dark basement yeah, where dank, he the dwells dank. the dank is in the dank basement so. <laughs> yes you wouldn't even be able to you'd be able to see almost nothing yeah it was bad it was bad <laughs> <laughs> all right so this this has been a lot of fun i've thoroughly enjoyed this conversation i know this took a long time to set up and get going but it was it was worth the wait I kept, for, I kept forgetting to respond to you <laughs> it's all right it's all right i everything was too busy anyway i'm like okay all right, sure. <laughs> let's yeah, do it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, let's do it on a Tuesday. Oh, right. shoot. Tuesday yeah. came and go, came and Tuesday went. Tuesday came and went. And I'm like, yeah. yay, okay. But <laughs> you get used to it. It's what it is. And hopefully Elijah can get back into making more podcasts and then oh, he'll have great. more content and I'll have lots of content and we shall rise in power. I am the Senate. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. All right. So thank you for being a part of the show. And My pleasure. I hope to hear from you again. And once again, this has been Elijah Thompson of the Fetal Position Podcast and Dank Pro Life Memes. All right. Have a good night. <laughs> that was definitely the 
funniest interview we've done so far. May not have been the most factual, most intense, but it was hilarious. I really enjoyed doing it. Elijah was a very, very good guest. I thoroughly enjoyed you. So, uh, typical end stream bitch. Uh, thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, give us a like, share, subscribe, and comment. I will try and answer everything that I get on to. If you're on Facebook, I encourage others to like and follow our channel. We're, we get more content. If we get more followers on Facebook, then I'll try and be as active and involved on Parlor as I mean, I was active and involved on Facebook as I am on Parlor. And if you're on Parlor, you know the drill. I'm all in, baby. I'm all in. Don't stop fighting. Don't stop listening. Stop the steal. And don't give in. So, thank you for joining me tonight. And I hope you have a great couple days until I see you again on Thursday. And always remember, we might be blind, but we can still see the truth. Good night, and God bless everyone.